Jamie and Travis, Jamie and Travis, Jamie and Travis present. Travis. Jamie. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to tell you about another podcast. Ooh. It is produced in Missoula by a Missoulian. In fact, a awesome. real-life journalist. Ooh. Her name is Jewel Banville, and some of you might know her as a professor at the University of Montana School of Journalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she produces a podcast called Last Best Stories, and it is basically uh, This American Life for Montana. All uh, stories about Montana and often about the Missoula area uh, told by Montanans. Um, Each episode has two stories, often told by two different perspectives, and I really can't recommend it enough. It is a super uh, good listen. You can learn more at lastbeststories.org, and I'm pretty sure you can listen to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. So uh, check it out, Last Best Stories. Awesome. Haddon? Did you say Haddon? That's yeah. correct. Jesse Haddon. You're from... one of the first people who ever got it. Do off they the say jump. Hayden? Always. But there's two D's. I know. And there's only one A then, right? Yeah. What? Where would the other A go? Well, no, I mean, there's not an I or a Y. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. That would make an A sound. Yeah, it's one of those things that, like, you know, you get tired of correcting people and uh, totally. you just seem like an asshole if you do it. So There are idiots everywhere, though. True that. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesse from Laura Crossing. Farm uh, now, so one of the things I'm really interested. You are like it's just a lovely guy, oh. uh, but you're have this very cool business. Trying well, to, yeah, you, cool don't, to you, you don't have to call it cool. <laughs> it's probably a huge pain in the ass to you. Um, but so you guys, you have a farm, yes, and you guys raise. You tell us what the farm does. So we're a we're a 110 acre farm up in St. Ignatius, and we raise pastured meats of various kind: beef, pork, and chicken. We also cut like 70 acres of hay, we grow veggies, and uh, in addition to that, we have an on-farm butcher shop. Which is a huge deal. It is a huge deal, and uh, it continues to be a huge deal. We're still we're still wading through the sort of bureaucratic aspects of becoming, you know, a full-service shop. Sure. Okay. Well, I want to get back to that, because there's lots sure. to talk about sure. there. But then you guys also this year launched a food truck. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Take It or Leave It is... Nice. Is actually you probably know take it. I do. It from yeah, Western Cider. we were parked at Western a lot, um, and it's actually the project of my partner Jamie. She's the business owner, but the concept is both of ours. Awesome. Um, so yeah, we the whole idea is sort of centering local produce, local farmers, and kind of picking up the shit that they can't sell. Otherwise. Awesome. And the um, name sort of implies fuck you if you don't like it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is cool. Yeah, we've only got so much time for you. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. Can you get so generally speaking, is it so the menu must be different all the time? Menu's different every week, uh, depending on what's available awesome. from various farms. Um, and yeah, that's that's essentially the point. Is that like you can't count on a set menu? You shouldn't be counting on a specific kind of food at a given time of year. Yeah, um, and that you know, trust people to like put something together for you awesome. and uh, work with what they have rather than like the ideal. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, you don't, you don't serve winter asparagus. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just caught a load of those at a uh, Costco the other day. Did you? They Sorry. are uh, like three inches thick. Yeah. <laughs> at the base and uh, two feet long. 
I don't know what yeah. those are. In bales. Just like. <laughs> I don't even know what those are. 75 pound bales. That doesn't bales. look like an asparagus. <laughs> um, uh, well, so how did you come to this life? This life. Um, so I didn't grow up farming at all. Um, my family, I grew up in the Flathead. Uh, my dad's a conservationist and my mom's an artist. Uh, and from like 13 on, I like couldn't wait to leave. Yeah. You know, I left when I was 16, uh, did a bunch of different things and didn't come back to the Valley. I moved back to Montana when I was 29. Oh, wow. So I was, I was away for a really long time. What made you want just usual small town? Yeah, I just, yeah, it was, I mean, I wasn't thinking at all about farming. I was just like a, a punk skater kid. Yeah. And, and, uh, ended up leaving cause I was just like getting in a lot of trouble and like basically realized if I didn't leave, like that was going to end pretty bad. badly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, first I went to Western Mass and I lived there for a couple years and, uh, finished high school out there and then moved to Oregon. I lived in Oregon for seven years, lived in, uh, God, where was after that? I was in Hawaii for a while. I was in Northern California for a while. Yeah. Bay Area, uh, lived in Philly for a bit, and then after, really after the after the Bay Area was when I really started to like key back into farming. Okay, um, was there like a moment or an event that got you interested in that? I guess I um I started farming right after I finished my like only real professional job of my life, which was like uh, working as a labor organizer. I was working in Oregon doing labor organizing. We were mostly organizing like. Uh, Nursing home workers, hmm. nursing home and food service workers. Uh, the nursing home world seems like the CD underbelly of is a fucking bleak. There are some situation, f- and the people that own those fucking yeah, that for profit like siloing of human beings. <sighs> yeah, it's just that's like, a good word to use. Siloing of people, Ugh. gross. It's really heavy shit. <laughs> I mean, and I have I have a ton of respect for the people who do it. There's you know, I mean, there's some of like the most vulnerable populations of folks. Yeah. You know, in the country, you know, whether they're like vaguely documented or undocumented workers, right. um, you know, very often recent immigrants with like very few like language skills, yeah. um, you know, just super vulnerable people that, uh, work super fucking hard and who, uh, yeah, they, uh, but because of their, their legal status or their economic status, they're very easy to exploit. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I just, I, it was an amazing job. Like it was, I'm very proud of the work that we did, but yeah. it was super tiring. You know, we were doing 17 hour days, seven days a week when we were in a campaign. And it's so, not just manual labor. It's exhausting emotionally. I'm it's emotionally sure. exhausting. Yeah. It's like, you know, you never know what kind of psychic situation you're about to walk right. into. You don't know what kind of political situation you're about to walk into. We were organizing nursing home workers down in Medford, Oregon for a while. And that was right around the time that, Obama was getting elected for the first time, I guess it would have been. And like our union was pushing for Obama as well. Like we were doing a bunch of calling for him and shit, you know, and so I would be like wearing an Obama pin and, you know, there was a a situation where like I got pushed down a set of stairs by a lady's husband, you know, just like shit like that would happen all the time. Mm -hmm. So at the end of all of that, I was just super burnt out. And I I went to Hawaii actually to like reboot. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Not thinking I was going to start doing any farming work, I was just sort of like hanging out on this, uh, what do they call those places? Uh, oh, it was an intentional community. 
So they, you know, so they put it, which, which really meant that it was a bunch of retired folks who had like younger people coming and like doing manual labor for free. Whoa, wait, really? Yeah, That's totally. A thing? Yeah, totally. It's called an intentional community? Yeah, it was a bunch of like older retired folks who were like living in this like super beautiful spot. I thought I was going there to learn permaculture. Like in a house together? It was like a series of compounds, you know, wow. like on, on a, uh, like series of small yeah. houses, like on a compound in the jungle. Yeah. Um, super beautiful. Um, that's how they got you to come. Yeah, exactly. So like I did I did get some surfing done and stuff like that, but mostly I was, you know, kind of running their market operation all of a sudden, yeah. you know, cuz I was like one of the few people who I mean, if you ever like need a job, you should go to Hawaii because like if you have anything resembling a work ethic, like you're, you're in good shape. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that yeah, I ended up doing that for like 6 months and then just like got island fever and there was a bunch that was like problematic about yeah, yeah. about Hawaii living. Um, and so that's sort of like, that's how the bug, the farming bug bit me, but I didn't really get super serious about it till my partner went to Philly to go to school. We had some friends who lived in the Adirondacks. Okay. So when she went to school out East, I followed her out there and wound up spending that first season up North in Essex County. So if you know where like Plattsburgh or like right across the lake from Burlington, Vermont. Awesome. That's beautiful up there. It's super good country. I used to hang out near Old Forge in the summer. Oh, word. That's where I started guiding trips. And I I like get very nostalgic for, you know, deciduous forests. Yes. So hard. Like really leaf litter. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Moisture. Just like the abundance of moisture. Totally. All that shit is like, yeah. I mean, I think if my family didn't live here. There's a very strong chance I would have wound up staying up there. Well, and if you want to be a farmer, it's not a bad place to live either. No, that proximity to that New York market yeah, is totally. fire. That's you cool. Know, that's um, good. So, so then you, you decide to come back. Yeah. And Jamie, your partner's name is Jamie. Yes. For the rest of this conversation. Yes. Um. Uh. And what? How did? How did the business start? Uh, I was actually. Well, I was I was managing a farm up in up in Creston. Uh, a veggie operation for this this fella Julian Cunningham, who's a really rad, been there forever organic farmer, um, who's now uh, running the organic farming program at FVCC up in the Flathead. So he needed someone to like hold on to his market operation while he was getting that stuff running. Cool. I did that year, and during that year, I was kind of just like, uh, you know, looking around, kind of casually. Um, and then one day I was actually cruising around with, uh, Chris Sand and Johnny Fritz. And we wound up going out to this property in mission and St. Ignatius, the gal who owned it was this bananas, like my little pony on crack kind of <laughs> like new age mission Valley. I mean, you know, the, you know, yeah, the, yeah. you know, the kind, like if you've hung around hot springs for any amount of sure. time, like yeah, yeah. you've interacted with these people. So she was like barely hanging on out there and wanted to get out of there. Right. Um, and kind of sold it for for we got a great deal on it yeah you know, she was like desperate to leave and we were excited to be there awesome. so um beyond that got a lot of help from like the nrcs and the fsa yeah um or sorry that yeah the fsa um and yeah now and then you just, just gonna, were gone we're just going yeah just jumped in you know i had enough experience to kind of know what the model was that i wanted to yeah. roll with and how i wanted that to look and yeah it just kind of do you feel like here's a here's like an SAT question? Yeah. Uh, do you feel like you know you said you were kind of like a punk skater kid? Mm-hmm. Uh, from what little you just told us about your background, you've obviously you're like a thoughtful guy who uh, 
doesn't necessarily want to go with the way things are going mm-hmm. in the establishment. Do you feel like your involvement in farming is is another way of expressing? Are you a punk farmer? <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. I'll wear, I'll wear that yeah. hat, I guess. Yeah. Um, sure, yeah. I mean... I mean, what, what's, I guess, what's the, how did you, first of all, how did you decide to do meat? Um, so I guess when I was, when I was working up in the Adirondacks, a lot of the farms up there are like diversified full diet farms. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that means they're doing everything from veggies to growing their own fodder to, you know, raising meat in various kinds. And I guess for me, the interest in meat came out of like this sort of issue of like fertility and where does fertility come from? Where does, um, you know, for 10 years I was a vegetarian, um, never really went vegan, but I've always been sympathetic to that. Yeah. Um, that outlook, I think, um, the, the meat thing basically came about from the sense of like, in like it's unavoidable. Like you have to, you have to generate your fertility from somewhere and like whether or not you're an organic vegetable farm or you're like a vegan like those veggies are being grown somehow so you're talking about soil fertility. i'm talking about like yeah soil fertility like animal inputs into the soil that allow vegetables to grow in like a healthy fashion like it's unavoidable yeah um and so to me being able to like confront the reality of eating meat like consuming meat in an ethical way is super important i think like it speaks to a real sort of like, I don't want to use the word spiritual, but like a spiritual sickness, you know, to be consuming meat, like in, in a thoughtless and, and kind of, um, just an unthinking way. Yeah. So having to confront and like, I guess when you, when you mentioned like the punk idea or like the metal idea, I'm sorry it's like, I put that on it's you. all good. It's all good. <laughs> I've I mean, been thinking about that question since like 10 minutes ago. It's worse. It's no big deal. <laughs> I think just like, you know, it's about like, it's about like like confronting death and being comfortable with death. Yeah. And it's like an unavoidable part of the process of being alive and consuming food. And so like I want to be in there with yeah. it, you know, so to the extent that that's punk, I guess, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, okay, so this, this brings us then to, because I totally, uh, I think that's awesome. And, and I think for, you know, we just moved out to Potomac. Yeah. And animals are not a part uh, we do not bring animals to market at all right. and have no plans to yeah. um but definitely you know i like to eat meat yeah. and i got to feel but eventually it was just like i can't really go to the grocery store yeah anymore and buy meat personally yeah like I, we had chickens i'll never forget the day we had chickens and uh and I came home with a bunch of chicken wings. And I was like, I'm so affectionate to chickens. I, th- yeah. I just think they're the best. Yeah. And Carly was like, you can't really do this anymore. Yeah. You know? Because I also love chicken wings. I just I know. They're so good. They're <laughs> That's amazing. a hard one, dude. It's a really, hard, a really one. hard one. And she was like, you just can't do this anymore. You know? Yeah. It doesn't really make any sense. And I was like, you're right. And so now, you know, we have sheep and we have goats and we have chickens and we, we create our own meat. Uh and it feels good. I mean, killing, slaughtering animals is not fun no. for me. It's yeah. intense, especially, you know, lambs that you bottle fed or something. Yeah. It's really a hard thing. But I would not have it any other way yeah. at this point. Uh, but if you want to be a business, you have to jump through these hoops. It's fucking rough. And it's really hard for, I mean, the best, as far as I know, uh, 
just about all of, I mean, it could be the most ethical, sustainable operation. At the end of the day, they're going to have to bring their animals somewhere else. That animal's last hour of its life, whatever's going to be in the back of a trailer. Yeah. Freaking out. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to get slaughtered at an inspected facility. Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, your deal is that you maybe are going to close that loop. Is that the... I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. So is like, that the ambition, at least? Yeah. Right now... Right now, the way we're set up, like we are able to do field slaughter for our custom exempt. Customers. So if somebody bought something that was living. Basically. They're essentially they're essentially the owner of the animal. Yeah. And we're just providing this service right. for them. Um, so that's called custom slaughter. That's called uh, custom exempt. Custom exempt. Custom um, slaughter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is custom slaughter. Also, you know, but yeah, no. I mean, you you highlight like a very a very you know it's a it's a tough. It's a tough gray area. It's it's hard for us to operate as a business like on a large scale, yeah. Um, and do that like I do have to take animals to slaughter right now just to be able to, you know, serve them in the food truck. Sure. Um, but but yeah, I agree with you that it's it's very much about um, it's it's difficult no matter how good the life is. Yeah. You know that. It's, but I think like we have some level of responsibility to witness that and be present for that. Totally. And I will say like this year was. Definitely, for whatever reason, it was the hardest for me to get into it. Like, I really dragged my feet getting into slaughter season. Why do you think that was? I just didn't have, I didn't feel grounded. I didn't feel ready for it. Yeah. You know, I was just like, I was, I was not, I wasn't, I wasn't present enough with myself to feel, feel like I was, I was ready to get into that. Yeah. You know? And part of that was just like being out of practice, like having not done it for, four or five months, yeah, you know, and once I actually like pulled myself together and started getting into it, it was fine. So you're talking about the field slaughter, like actually dispatching yourself. Yeah. Um, are you going, so with, with the, so you you built a butcher shop Mm -hmm. and you, every time I've seen you in the past year, you have been like running a food truck. I know. I feel whilst, like I was, <laughs> whilst building a butcher shop and dealing with the USDA. Totally. I feel like the last time we hung out or like saw each other at the cidery, I was like on four hours of sleep. Yeah. In the well, middle of summer, it was like maybe like the brunch. And it was early on in the food truck's life, I yeah. think. And it had like sort of fallen apart on That's the way. That's right. To the- yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, sick. We have no hot water. This is going to be, this is going to be great. Yeah, yeah. 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 A lot of that this year. So the butcher shop, once it's where, can you, can you talk about where you're at with that? Yeah. We're, and we're, what, what will be possible when it's finished? Yeah. So we're built out to, to state inspection levels, which okay. is like where we want to be Okay. for now. Um, and so basically we just got back from a trip and we're just like, I've just been dragging my feet about getting the inspectors to come in. So the goal is by the beginning of the spring season to be able to sell our cuts at market. Um, we'll be functioning as a, as a state inspected shop. Awesome. Um, so the idea would be that then we can bring stuff to market, fresh cuts, and, and those were animals that never left the farm until they were in vacuum packs. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> because the whole slaughter situation is, okay. is complex, those animals have to go to state. You still have to do that. Slaughter. Yeah. Is there a way to, to avoid that? I mean, the only the only way would, would be to, you know, get inspected as a slaughter facility as well. And is that just a huge deal? You know, <clears throat> a friend of mine who was visiting from New York this last summer, we were just talking about it, and he was just like, he had a really good turn of phrase. He was just like, you know, it's really hard to be the spider. You know, we were talking about the idea of like being the person responsible for like dispatching all these yeah. animals and like the 
you know, just the psychic toll that it takes on you. Yeah. And it's like, as committed as I am to like providing these animals with like a, a really good life, being a person who like takes life eight hours a day, yeah. it's just like not in the cards for me existentially. Yeah. You know, like I can do that on a limited run. So, but, sorry. So if you, uh, if if you went that route and yeah. you state inspecting your yeah. slaughterhouse, yeah, I guess that's a distinction. Put yeah. your shop versus slaughterhouse. Yeah, um, uh, are are you feeling like then you would have to provide that service for other people and it would become a full time job basically? I think so, just yeah. to afford the cost of inspection and stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah, and I'm not like the whole point is to stay sub industrial. Sure. Right. Yep. Like like those experiences like take a toll on anyone who does it. Right. You know, like I don't wish that job on anyone. Yeah. You know, under the present conditions. Yeah, that would be yeah. bleak, man. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. Shit's heavy, sorry. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, it is. No, it matters. It matters. We I, we talk about it a lot. I talk about it a lot. The uh, knowing where knowing where your food comes from and knowing what it takes. Mm-hmm. And, like, I've never been, I like, this conversation doesn't freak me out, but I know that I can't do it. Yeah. Like I've tried to go hunting, mm-hmm. tried to hunt. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Yeah. I'm going to take a deer. I'm yeah. Do this. Can't do it. Yeah. Can't do it. Couldn't do a rabbit. Yeah. Killed a duck when I was 16. It's horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Can't do it, but I eat meat. Right. So when I go to the grocery store, it's a blind eye. Like yeah. it's all, it's me turning my head and saying, eh. <laughs> yeah, well, Maybe maybe it was okay. Maybe maybe that maybe that cow was super happy. Right. Uh, and and of course it just can't be like. It can't always be for everyone, yeah. you know. And like I also don't think that everyone needs to do it. You know, no. like that's you know not everyone is going to be like the best mechanic. You yeah. know, like yeah. like I think earlier in my life I had this like real strong impulse to you know be a jack of all trades. And I think specialization is super rad. Totally. And yeah. I think that, like, you know, that's what makes communities awesome. Absolutely. It's like people relying on each other for different shit. And yeah. different people make different kinds of sacrifices for their community, whatever that is. No doubt. And bring, no. Yeah, no? I agree. I, we were watching, that makes me think we were watching, there's this uh, show called Doomsday Preppers that Carly and I used <laughs> oh, to be shit. obsessed with. And there's this fuck. you know, it's all, it's all terrible. Yeah. Uh, but there's this episode where the guy, the husband, was forcing his wife to kill a goat because she needed to experience it. Yeah. And it's the same thing where it's like, no, I mean, if you're going to eat meat, you should acknowledge that that's a part of the process. Right. You do not have to... Physically do it. No, right? No. <laughs> that's okay. No. Dude, that's okay. the prepper thing is so great to me. Like, I when, when I first moved onto the farm and I was looking for gear, I, like, found this amazing Craigslist ad. Uh, that was just like selling, it was like a seven page, like scrolling for like two minutes page of equipment. I was like, I don't know if any of this stuff works, but like, I have to go out there and check this out totally. just to like see what's up. And it was this place like out in the Bitterroot, like past Hamilton. Of course. And it was like a full on, like deep fucking prepper compound, Yes, you know, where like I walk in and it's just like. I'm not sure. There's like gun turrets and shit. Like it was very real. Yeah. Like those turrets. dudes are real. Yeah. And, and you know, the dude was super friendly, like super helpful and nice, you know, like clearly a little like touched yeah. or like in that space, you know, <laughs> wherever that, you know, but like we had a great like conversation. Then I go to like pay up in his office and it's just like, you know, Confederate flags and, you know, don't tread on me shit all over the place. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's very deep here. 
I, I'm I'm fascinated by it. I am too. I mean, what goes into? I mean, that. So you, if you uh, if you are looking for anything to do, maybe yeah. you should check out this show. Yeah, it is mean. <laughs> it is really bad. Yeah, and and of course, all it's weird because a lot of times the, the, the prepping seems to. Uh, uh, the Venn diagram with permaculture mm-hmm. is fairly large in the yes, middle, you yes. know, which is really neat. And these people have rad systems. Sure. And then they will just let something out like about black people or something. And you're like, why, why are all the preppers racist? I know. Why are, why are all the preppers, why did, why do you have gallows? One guy was gallows. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jesus yeah, Christ. Really weird. But he had like a sweet, you know, aquaponic setup. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. It's so bizarre. It's so bizarre. And there's like, I, I kind of feel like that way going to market as well. Like, yeah. I don't know if you guys have this experience, but like, and this is not to like disparage my market customers at all, but yeah. like that Venn diagram, as you describe it, it's just like, you know, dudes would be talking about like something I'm super into, like, I don't know, biochar or something. Right. And the next minute they're talking about f- like fluoride, totally. you know, and it's just like, I really, and I think that's another part of like, our brand or whatever, like I try very hard to avoid like a lot of the like sort of more traditional branding that yeah. like organic and sustainable farming like is prone to because there's a lot around, I don't know, it's very easy to slip from like this like discussion about, you know, being good to the planet or like being good to your, your like there's something very proto-fascist right. about a lot of that shit. And so like I try to keep it I try to keep it more, uh, more inclusive, less, less, uh, precious. Yeah. And sort of like signaling to people that like, look, I'm here to like feed you good food, but like miss me with that, you know, that meta layer, whatever it yeah, is, you know, I whatever, agree. whatever. Well, like. and, and at the end of the day, I mean, the thing that always blows people often, like Carly and I used to do a little market out here with the food trucks and yeah. stuff. And, and really other than that, we, we like to interface with the people who have basically already bought something from us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, we don't really want to be salespeople. Yeah. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, I mean, most of the decisions, I mean, we got into farming on a scale that was so small mm. that it is just the most cost-effective thing to be responsible to the environment, mm-hmm. really. Sure. You know, I mean lots of inputs uh chemical inputs are gonna be really expensive right you know and they require equipment and all that shit uh so really we are the way we are because yeah i mean we believe in being organic and we believe in being stewards of the land but at the end of the day like it's good business for us i mean the numbers make most sense like this yeah and i I agree with you like the those stickers that say uh be your own farmer Mm mm-hmm are kind of go back to like everybody should have you know it's okay to have a specialty. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. I'll be your farmer. I think we should have more farmers. Yeah. but not everybody has to be their own farmer. Right. Some people don't have to. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's very important to me that there are dudes out there who are like dirt bags, like making podcasts. Yeah. You know, like Thanks. that shit is very important to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it keeps me going. Yeah, and in, and especially around here. I mean, we. Yeah. I feel like really fortunate to live in a community. You know, like Travis has a fucking recording studio yeah. in his house. Which is allows us to record a podcast. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. The community thing. Uh, there's a dude in an Infowars.com t-shirt at Fresh Market. And I see him there constantly. Yeah. He's the guy that uh, 
Uh, Bridget first noticed him because uh, he got out of his car and inspected the back of her car, which is covered in super anti-war stickers. Mm-hmm. And immediately she's like, uh, that, that raised her hackles. He works there. No. Oh, okay, he's just there. He's just there. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was standing in line and <laughs> just he, hungry. over my shoulder, he said, "You're are you going to buy that tomato? And I said, well, I'm in line. And yeah, it's there. He's like, it's gross. He's like, <laughs> all right, okay. He's like, go put that back. I'll save your spot in line, and I'll sell you a tomato. <laughs> and oh, so he's just like scabbing, yeah, like awesome. at the fresh market. Well, and and the the part of me that immediately said no, mm-hmm. nah, leave me alone, um, was immediately overridden by the out of your car. Yeah. Oh well. I definitely want to see how this turns out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I still bought the tomato, and he says, you're just wasting your money. You're just wasting your money. I was like, that's fine. But what if you don't have tomatoes I want? He's like, oh, I got tomatoes you want. Yeah. And uh, and from from the trunk of his uh, Honda Civic, he uh, presented me with um, a choice of five different tomatoes in the form of his inventory was two of each of those Uh five five tomatoes. (laughs) So he had 10 tomatoes in his car he's trying to unload. <laughs> and, uh, and then and then went through the process of telling me where he bought all of them. Oh, shit. So he didn't even grow these tomatoes. No, they're all from Farmer's Market. Oh, they're oh. specialty curated. Whoa. He has a tomato curating. <laughs> this is actually a pretty good racket. He, he added the middleman. He added the middleman to the... That seems so anti-Infowars <laughs> to me. Like It was hilarious. Well, when I posted on Facebook, some dude in, some dude in an Infowars shirt... Uh, tried to sell me tomatoes in the parking lot, and uh, the first reaction wasn't, "Hey, that's weird." The first reaction was, "Well, maybe he just had that shirt." <laughs> I was like, "I've seen him wearing that shirt multiple times." Well, maybe he doesn't know what it is. Okay, if you nobody just has that shirt. <laughs> right? There's no way. There's no way that that was an accident. Yeah, there's like, a very specific profile of someone who I would who I would believe just like came upon that shirt, and this oh, guy totally. sounds no. Like, he had the shirt, and uh, and. The whole thing was so hilarious that I, I I didn't go as far as to ask him to come here and sit right. and talk to us because I don't I don't think it'll go that where we want it to go. No. It won't it won't go and like when I tried to talk to him about what he was doing, there was no response. There's yeah. nothing. There was just those tomatoes are gross. Why are you buying them? You should buy this one. Yeah. And I ended up not of course I didn't buy anything because I. I I don't know how to do that. Yeah. I don't know how to do that. I, I buy a lot of shit from people, Craigslist-wise and whatnot, but not ag products. From the I back could... of a car in a parking lot at <laughs> After being Fresh Market. like sniped in the line. Uh, yeah, that's aggressive of him. That was intense. I should just go stand by the meat counter. At, like, <laughs> you should. You're going to buy that? <laughs> but, but have the trench coat with yeah. them all lined on the like inside. Like a fucking hamburger. <laughs> I mean, what you what you would be like is a pro lifer outside an abortion it's clinic. So really? Oh I mean, my god! You could have some really visceral images. Oh, that's so rugged. I wonder how long that would last. That wow. was killed this way. This one was killed by my hands. Wow! Oh, oh this is awesome. No, it was the weirdest thing ever. And when you say that, when you say trying to avoid those uh, those tropes of uh, the extreme interactions. Yeah, and that's all I could think was like, oh, you're not in this. You're definitely not in this for the business. Yeah, you're yeah. in this for the like, 
you're providing a service, but not in the way that I'm comfortable with. Yeah. And uh, that was it was amazing. Yeah. So anyway, I I, I appreciate the uh, the like light touch. Like you have to have a light touch in order to convince. Like you're trying to convince, uh, like not not a hundred percent of people, but another five percent of people. Sure. And uh, that's what it takes. Sure. Yeah. Do you? I mean, do you feel like? Uh, I mean, there's there's so many people in this area. There's no shortage of customers who mm-hmm. want good, responsibly mm-hmm. produced food. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel any obligation to like be the guy to convince people who aren't going to farmers markets? And if so, how do you do that? I mean, I would have no clue. Oh God, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I have all sorts of misgivings about like my market as it exists. You know, I think um, I originally got this goes back to the question about like punk farming or whatever. Uh, I originally was excited and interesting interested in farming because it it provides this sort of like it was it was a job that like having having done work that's like incredibly emotionally and politically fraught mm-hmm. that was a job I chose basically because like it was something that would let me sleep at night. Um, this was another sort of like unimpeachable sort of profession as far as I was concerned going into it, mm-hmm. right. So I got into the idea of like, oh, well, everyone eats, everyone should have access to healthy food. Like that's going to be my role. Um, The realities of growing sustainably and responsibly raised meat means it's fucking expensive, right? So my market is intrinsically like folks with privilege who have access to the kind of money that allows you to buy fancy meat, you know? Um, Now I have like a long range plan you know, that involves like doing more food justice related work um, and sort of sharing resources where we can. Like part of our operation right now is that like people who come and work for us, like in the second year, if they're a good fit and want to stay, like can use our place as an incubator farm. Cool. Like that's another thing that we've done. Um, And then, uh, you know, our commercial kitchen that we're currently building, um, as part of the butcher shop <clears throat> is going to be something that's going to be open for other farmers to use to pack awesome. and can and stuff like that. Killer. Um, but that being said, you know, it does mean that like I cater pretty exclusively to like the upper, the upper percentages of our community who can afford that food. Sure. And so that's, you know, um, that's the only extent to which like, I feel like, um, you know, I'm always looking for ways to make that stuff more accessible to other people. Um, and that's the only sort of area in which I would like to expand my market. You yeah. know, I don't think I've had a lot of trouble convincing folks to come eat the food on its own merits. I think the food truck is really an awesome way to do that too. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, I'm not much for like the like sort of overt proselytizing you know like i'm i'm down to talk to anyone about it about how i do it and the way that i do it but like i also understand that like people's consumption patterns are really nuanced yeah and they're really colored by class and entrenched and and entrenched you know there are certain people who i would love you know to see them be more intentional about that stuff yeah but i honestly think like leading by example is like a way better way than than really going on the warpath about it. Yeah. Um, and people people are going to come to it of their own accord or not, you know? And, like, I would way rather, like, see people, like, 
be able to like feed their families and you know eat what they're what eat what they can afford to buy you know um then you know cram some like organic ideology down their throat right. you know i think a lot of that stuff is super tone deaf yeah so it's a double-edged sword totally that makes sense yeah you know like would it be ideal if everyone was like supporting their local farmers of course but right. like a lot of sh- other shit needs to change in order for people to be able to do that well i mean i think about our business and you know it started growing microgreens yeah and you want to talk about fucking like urbane <laughs> yeah food yeah microgreens are it totally uh and eventually i mean it really uh it it i mean the margins weren't as good mm-hmm. as as uh i felt like they were <laughs> for a long time um and but at the end of the day like it 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 wore me out uh, selling fancy garden. Like you can sell it as a health food, which sure. like, frankly, I have no business marketing a health food. Right. I really don't. Right. Um, I'm going to eat what you put in front of me. Speaking. Uh, and, or it's a fancy garnish for fancy restaurants, right? you know, of which right. there are not that many in Montana. Yeah. Um, and that like, that did, while I hear, I totally hear that, like you, you do have to cater. If you're going to do this, you, you almost have to have a portion of your clientele of your customer base if you want to look at it as subsidizing other things, that's a great way to do exactly. it. Exactly. Uh, and I think for a while, microgreens like allowed us to do that. But at the end of the day, like it just caught up, it just caught up to me. Unlike it. Yeah. 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 Like it was really, you know, here's a, here's a, a 12 ounce bag that costs $45. Right. And you have to do this dance. And to, yes, to people, t- totally. You know? And I feel like a lot of, and again, this is not to disparage most of the folks who I grow for, right? but it's like, there is a certain customer base that like wants that, you know, yeah. they want to hear that and they want to like, uh, they want to be told how good the decisions they are making and, are. And that's you know? okay. Yeah, right. Sure. Because fuck, if you have money, damn right. You're spending on this kind of sure, thing. Sure. Sure. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, kind of feel it's like your responsibility. You should. Yeah, totally. And yeah. there has to be someone to produce it. Right. Uh, and if, and I think that's great. And the more people who are farmers, I think is great. Totally. <laughs> also, totally. For so many reasons. Totally. Um, yeah. Well, I just got a little heated. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, yes. I'm thinking, I'm like trying to imagine Carly in here right now. Yeah. Looking at me as I get on topics. Yeah. And yeah it's cool that we didn't pick show. a political <laughs> profession, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. Don't ever intersect at no. all. At all. How are you doing in this political climate? Oh man. It's, it's How's intense. this year been? This year's been, <laughs> it's, you know, it's interesting. So like I... Jamie and I hadn't taken a vacation in like seven years, never together. Like we've yeah. never taken a trip together. So this year we were like, fuck it. We're going to get fancy. And like, we went to Japan. Whoa. Yes. Cool. Fucking amazing. Did you see the, 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 those cows, the Wagyu? No, no, we did nothing ag related. Oh, sweet. Um, Good for you. Yeah, congratulations. You know, we just like, <laughs> and this is all just to say, like, I mean, it was amazing in every way, but like, honestly, one of the most beneficial aspects of it was just like walking into a place where like you have complete cultural blinders on you have like you just like like getting out of the nightmare zone you know and and being sort of like coddled and enveloped by this like layer of non-comprehension yeah you know and like not having access to like media you're ignorant of everything ignorant of tough decisions to make it's very basic (laughs) you're just like existing in this purely sensory way which you know Generally, like, I do shy away from, like, tourism as a rule for a lot of reasons, but, like, it felt so useful to just be able to turn that shit off 
and realize like how much energy is being expended probably by all of us who are worried right now um, on just like monitoring the situation, you know, in this sort of like state, like, I don't know, it's this condition of like hypervigilance, you know, that I think is super, super exhausting. Um, Yeah. And serves, I mean, probably no purpose. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it goes way past being aware. We should mm-hmm. be, it's our mm-hmm. responsibility to be aware. Yeah. But yeah, that hypervigilance, the obsessing. Yeah. We talk about it a lot on the podcast, but like the, I obsess about something bad mm. happening to people. Totally. Which is a, just a fucked mind space to yeah. be in, period. Yeah. You know? Um, but okay, so Japan, was that like a major rebooting situation? It totally was, and it let me sort of like reset a lot of my orientation to, you know, sort of my approach to the political climate. I think, um, you know, it's like made me turn down like my media consumption a lot because I think a lot of us, like we, we know what our position is. Like we know what needs to happen. And so this sort of like constant reverberation of just Mm -hmm. like outrage and panic, you know, it just feels super unhealthy and it feels super paralyzing to me. Like hate reading. Yeah. Hate reading articles. Just getting so worked up. Like, you know, before I went to Japan, I was just like, you know, and like Steve Danes, if you're listening, like you're a chump, like your stylist chump, and we're coming for you. Like Greg Gianforte, you are like Rodentia. Oh man! Like very rodent like politicians coming out of Montana right Zinc- now. I think I was cross country skiing the other day, and I got this. I go through these waves where I will like get physically pissed off yeah i can feel it yeah. in my body yeah and i was thinking about zinky skiing yeah and i skied so fast home yeah and i was gonna call and i was just gonna call and just <laughs> say i want you to know that montana is ashamed of zinky and hang yeah. up yeah and fortunately like i burned off enough energy by the yes. time i got home not yeah. that calling is bad but yeah. also understanding that you know the poor person answers the phone is probably a really nice person and doesn't yeah. deserve my vitriol yeah. for yeah. no fucking reason yeah so i mean i guess that's all just to say that like yeah, it's it's super easy to get worked up right now, but like what we should be doing is like organizing proactively and not reactively. Yeah. You know, um I don't know if you guys heard about the shit that went down in Paradise a couple nights ago where uh Bundy where Bundy was out there. I heard a clip of his talk <sighs> yeah. uh on the radio and it's he sounds like a real sharp knife oh yeah wow yeah it's wild dude I mean, my friends were out full there sentence. he was he sounds really pretty dumb yeah but he's like he's got this platform now you know and this like charismatic presence that clearly speaks to like a huge number of people were you there i was not it was it was jamie's birthday okay so you guys didn't go there (laughs) (laughs) we were getting ready for a party but our buddies came from there there were just two of them just two queer women they're, they're literally the only people holding signs in this like sea of like four by four trucks, Ugh. you know, and like it feels like this very weird moment and this very real moment where like those are my neighbors, those are the people that like live next to me, like we help each other out yeah. all the time. Yeah, we get along great, you know. But like you get these people together, I mean they're they're fucking armed and they're ready to go, yeah. you know. And now they have this mandate yeah. and. So for me, like that, that personally is like the most troubling aspect of our local political reality. Yeah. This sort of like sense of like vigilante sort of, uh, libertarian, libertarian Christian identity situation. Um, and I think figuring out ways to talk to your neighbors and like 
demonstrate your humanity, yeah. you know, uh, is super important. Yeah. Um, so I guess the answer to your question in a roundabout way is just that like we all kind of intuitively understand what the work is and like we should be putting less energy into like consumption of media and like working ourselves up and actually like getting together and like creating solutions. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there is the, the consumption media cause it, you can, it's easy to conflate that with doing something. Yeah. Thinking about something. I think your body and mind perceive them as yeah, similar. In like a narcotic way. Yeah, almost. Yeah. You think this is good for you. Yeah. Cause it's a fucking bump or something. Yeah. The, the excuse <laughs> of staying educated. Like, like that's my, that was my original sure. excuse for reading every one of those articles. Yeah. Well, I'm just staying educated so that mainly in the end, I was just ready to argue with somebody right about why can you like that person right which i don't know there's that conversation never ends like i would want it to no. it's not a movie it's not a it's not a tv show where the character turns their turns their mind right before the credits right yeah it's not going to work that way yeah and working at a local level is always going to be better yeah cuz if you could if you could all if you can get some uh 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 bipartisan agreement between a hundred people mm -hmm. in your neighborhood. That's amazing. Yeah. Cause you can't like whatever you can't fight city halls. That's where you should be starting. Right. You can't fight the white house. Yeah. Right. You should fight right here, but it sounds like so much energy. Yeah. I think the <laughs> idea me. of praxis <laughs> is like super important though. Yeah. You know, like whatever your political ideology is like, you can, you can instantiate that on a daily basis in like, micro ways and I think that you know? it seems like that's the only hope because even being uh, proactive mm -hmm. in like an organized way mm -hmm. feels like now well there's no any any positive force will be met by an equal and opposite negative mm -hmm. force you mm -hmm. know and I think to a certain degree I mean that's like cynical and it's you know being cynical is a pretty privileged perspective but I also feel like if we take that energy and just continue to be cool mm -hmm. you know and mm -hmm. and really try mm -hmm. to be cool and good neighbors and good members of our community the trickle-down effect hopefully will be because uh, I just it feels like people it feels like is it possible to convince somebody of something today I I think the only thing it's really possible to convince someone of is like your humanity and like the validity of your experience you know um, I can't remember where I read this but and I think actually, I think this this actually this is a bad example because I think this this uh, uh, this survey turned out to be fraudulent. But I, <laughs> I, I do I do fundamentally believe that like like the best way to like counter fucked up ideology is to like center the experiences of the people who are actually living it and like getting those people in positions where like they have a voice and can like articulate their experience yeah. and articulate their own humanity and like communicate it in a way that like allows people who might be on the perpetrating end or the the end that's like supporting whatever exploitative practice is going down like get those people to actually see these people as people yeah you know like there's only so much that you and i can do as white males to like convince people that like the black experience is like worth worth respect um and so for me like a lot of what I try to do is just like putting those voices in the center of the conversation, not trying to speak for them 
just sort of like getting those people space to yeah. articulate their position and getting those people like access to the shit that I have. Getting you know? out of the way a little bit. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. That makes sense. A lot of that happening on social media, it seems like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really good. A lot of getting out of the way. Being sarcastic and, uh, and internet shaming is always the best way to change someone's mind. <laughs> I'm really good at that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Anyway. Yeah, shit. Anyway. Uh, so, uh, what's going on in St. Ignatius these days? Mission's a weird place, dude. Yeah. I like... Um, I like it. I think like you guys are in St. Ignatius. Yeah, yeah. We're we're on the west side of the highway, kind of up against the Bison Range. And is that the town you grew up in? No, I grew up in outside of Big Fork. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I was very eager to piece out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mission feels good. Um, like my partner Jamie, she teaches at Two Eagle River School, which is the tribal alternative school up there. Um, and as a result of that, like that's become a big part of our sort of community cool. up there. But there's also like a rad handful of small farmers yeah, uh, doing cool stuff. I think like, you know, it's a, it's a f- bizarre little, oh, brutal. <laughs> Sorry guys. You can answer that, but we have to record the conversation. <laughs> uh, I meant to Do you need earlier. to answer that? No. Um, so... Yeah, it's, it's like a very bizarre mix of humans. There's like a real big Amish community up oh, there. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. It's an Amish community. There's like a big German Baptist vibe. There's the tribal vibe. And then there's sort of like the good old boy yeah. rancher situation. Yeah. And all those things are kind of constantly totally. I feel up like against each other. No town have I... I haven't spent much time up there, mm-hmm. but I think no town... Have I felt that more in in hot springs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Townies. And then add, you know, the the uh, the seismic activity. Yeah, the, the new age, the, the new vibe. age vibe. Like, it's yeah. for so sure. weird, man. It's so strange. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like problematic white behavior <laughs> of various kinds. A very of both ends of the yeah, spectrum. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. It's kind of that horseshoe effect. It totally. Yeah, you know? they went all the way around the globe and came yeah. out on the other side. Totally. Um. That's very interesting. Yeah, what's it like to be... I mean, you guys are a fairly young couple up there. Socially, are you guys hanging out with... I mean... You don't have a lot of time for socializing, probably. Not a lot. You know, I'm trying I'm trying to like live a more balanced lifestyle these days. It's hard. But, um, yeah, I mean, we've got a, a couple good like farmer couple friends mm-hmm. who live up there. Um, you know, Jamie's super involved with the tribe um, through, through teaching. And just like the place where she works is really just like a hub for community organizing and support um so uh it's very eclectic it's pretty low-key you know it's like dinner dinner and going to the hot springs basically is what it amounts to that's about all we can uh, that sounds like a pretty good thing it's all right it's all right i think um i would like to you know i honestly like to be having more conversations with with folks that i don't agree with as much you know um or just like I wish there was a better social public forum for hanging out that wasn't church. I'm sure there's a bar in Ronan where you could accomplish that goal. <laughs> yeah, adding alcohol to the equation does not seem does like it the, help? Does not seem not like the kind solution. of discourse you're looking for. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Um, it's cool though. I mean, I've always I've always liked that vibe, and like when I need to like feel held or you know um, comforted, I come down here and. 
hang with my punk friends. Awesome. You know, so yeah. it's not far away. It's kind of just the right proximity. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, if people wanted to get some lower cross, uh, no, lower crossing, sorry, mm-hmm. uh, product, how, mm-hmm. how do they do that these days? They got two ways right now. We've got our, um, our CSA. Uh, is that which, a year-round thing? That's a year-round thing, rolling uh, rolling signups for that, and that's just lowercrossingfarm.com. Um, and then we're also at the Saturday Winter Market right now. Awesome. And right now we're just slinging chickens, eggs, soap, and hot sauce. Hot sauce. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. awesome. awesome. Wait, yeah. you guys make soap? Yeah, I just started doing it. Um, I just had this like massive backlog of... Uh, of tallow yeah and so just started cranking it out while i was cutting in the butcher oh, that's shop killer. yeah it's great it actually smells fantastic lavender lori who yeah. many people may know she she makes all the essential oils we have for to have lavender stuff. lori on here oh my god yeah right definitely two-parter that woman has got a story to tell mm-hmm. awesome yeah yeah uh, she's good people she's our neighbor she like shares a fence line with us oh really yeah oh, cool yeah she's like one of our you know she was over for jamie's birthday the other night like Oh, that's She's great. doing an amazing thing. She's just like a single lady out on this piece of land in the middle of nowhere, completely off grid. She's a real badass. Skateboarding, harvesting lavender. Riding a motorcycle. That's so cool. Yeah, she's she's <laughs> tough as fuck. Um, uh, and the meat CSA, so pork and beef? We do pork, beef, and chicken on that. Um, and then we also are starting a charcuterie CSA this this year. Awesome. So that's oh, like, man. you know. And you guys will be able to do that yourselves? Yes. Yeah, so that's like pâtés, cool. cured meats, you know, sausage of the week, what have you. Pâté, like no food. When I was little... And whatever, a couple times that pate was presented to me, I was yeah. like, that is the most fucking repulsive thing. Yeah. <laughs> and now, I mean, it's amazing. It, Fuck with it heavy. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God. That would be. But it's also one of those things that, like, you know, you would just not buy from a place that you did not, like, understand the operation. Right. Totally. Because it's truly, yeah, I mean, it is truly the snouts and udders. Yeah, totally. Um, well, that's right. awesome. Yeah. Uh, Jesse, thanks so much for coming on the oh, podcast. Oh, man, my pleasure. And awesome. let's, uh, it would be fun to, to have you on in a, another couple of years and, and hear where the, the operation is then. Yeah, no doubt. I'd love to. Cool. Well, thanks, dude. Thanks, Thank guys. You. This has been Jamie. And Travis. Present. present. Jamie and Travis. Jamie and Travis. Jamie and Travis. Present. Travis, we have a Patreon site. Yes, we do. Patreon is a crowdfunding website that mm-hmm. allows creators of stuff uh, to give their consumers of the stuff they make a chance to contribute. Uh, and uh, we have one at patreon.com slash Jamie Travis present. Uh, it is really us just asking for a little help with some of the... Uh, sort of day-to-day costs of producing this podcast. Coffee and hosting. Coffee and hosting, and a little bit of uh, taking care of your equipment, yeah. which you donate to Love it. this. Um, so yeah, again, patreon.com slash Jamie and Travis present. Uh, we would really appreciate you checking it out, but even if you don't check it out, we really appreciate you listening. Thanks. Thanks.